No one is saved or goes to heaven just for doing good. There is no good work sacrifice that is big enough for that. Faith in the sacrifice of Christ is still the only way to get to heaven. Everyone on earth, Christian or otherwise, they understand that altruism or doing good is what makes humans noble. But the good works that Christians are called to do are not occasional and are not meant for human glory. On the contrary, Christians are called to do good works for God's glory. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We could easily say that doing good is not what we do, it's who we are. And to the Ephesian Christians, Paul says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. At Cross Church, we work hard at providing opportunity for Christians to do good here and around the earth. But we also teach the importance of doing good in order to cause all people to praise our Father in heaven. And for this, there is sacrifice involved. I want to begin this morning by talking to you about David Livingston. David Livingston, as many of you know, uh, is a very famous missionary. He was a great explorer. He was a, a man who cared deeply about the people of Africa. David Livingston, in his explorations, is the first white man, they say, to ever see Victoria Falls. And at Victoria Falls, you will find this statue. In 2011, there were 29 people from Cross Church who went to Zambia. And uh, in Zambia, uh, we split it into two groups. Some of us went to the village of Hope Kitwe, while the rest of us went to Chowala. And we were there, or some of us were there for three weeks, others were there for two weeks. But it was such a delight when at the end of our mission journey, we were able to go and visit Victoria Falls. Absolutely thrilling. What a delight that was. Now, David Livingston has always been a kind of a hero of mine. And uh, part of it is obviously because he was an explorer and he did all the sorts of things that every young boy would want to do. But the, the great thing that David Livingston did is he came to preach the gospel and more than that he came with the hopes of bringing an end to slavery. This David Livingston was a, a lover of the people of, of Africa. When he died in 1873 they they took his heart and they buried it there in Zambia. In fact, you can go there to this day and see the monument. And then they took the rest of his body back to Westminster Abbey, where if you go there today, you can see where he is laid. 
He was a great man of God, a man who really wanted to do good things for Africa. And uh, I, want to, I want to concentrate today on the sacrifice of good works, of doing good in this world. While David Livingston wanted to preach the gospel, he also wanted to do great good. Now, obviously, preaching the gospel is great good. But when you understand that doing good works means that we are doing righteous acts, good things for people around us, then you begin to understand that it's more than just preaching. It's actually doing what Jesus would do. Some have wondered why on earth would David Livingston ever want to be an explorer? I mean, that is not traditionally what missionaries do. In fact, off the top of my head, I can't think of any other missionaries that went to do exploring. But here's what you need to know. His great concern for the Zambians led him to explore the sources of the Nile River. You, can, you might ask, why on earth would he do that? Well, here's what he says in his own words. He says, the Nile sources are valuable only as a means of opening my mouth with power among men. It is the power with which I hope to remedy an immense evil. What's he saying? He's saying, I want to be an explorer so that I would have influence so that I would be able to make a difference in Africa. You see, he believed that he would gain fame and that this fame would give him the influence to end the East African Arab Swahili slave trade. It was a terrible, terrible plight upon the world at that time. And so here's David Livingston wanting to change the world, not just through the preaching of the gospel, but by letting his light shine, by doing good. He sincerely believed that if he could bring Christianity to that part of the world, if he could help develop the country so that it could, or the continent really, so that it could engage in commerce and trade, that that would bring wealth and would put an end to this slavery. He believed that it was important to bring civilization, a proper way to treat one another to the continent. And so on his obelisk of memoriam are the words Christianity, commerce, and civilization. This sacrifice that he made to do good costs him everything. Went to Africa with his wife. A lot of people don't know this, but his wife wasn't there for long before she died in 1862 of malaria. He said his one regret in life is that he wasn't able to spend more time with his six children. They were not there with him in Africa. He was there on his own, trying to do good for the glory of God. And then he too died of malaria and dysentery at the age of 60 years of age. 
great costs involved, but a sacrifice that he was very happy to make for the glory of God. We've been talking these last few weeks about the sacrifices that please God. And uh, I want to just remind you of what the Apostle Peter said. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. No longer is the temple in Jerusalem. It was destroyed in AD 70. I am convinced that that was by God's divine will. God wanted to make clear to the Jewish people that there was no more need for blood sacrifices. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice once for all. And at the end of the service, we're going to celebrate together Christ's sacrifice We'll be taking communion together. Now I need to remind you of something. I need to remind you that the spiritual sacrifices that please God are not sacrifices to atone for your sin. Only Christ can atone for your sin. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans that all of our righteousness, all of our attempts to atone for our sin, God considers as filthy rags. We can never be good enough. But thanks be to God, there is someone who's good enough. Jesus Christ is the one who made a sacrifice for our sins. He gave himself. You say, Pastor Alan, you talk about that almost every single time you preach. Well, there's a reason for this. It's because my job as a pastor, as one called by God, is to preach the gospel. And the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus Christ has taken away our sin and has given us eternal life. So that's what we need to be reminded. Now I know that that is confusing for some because you wonder, well then what on earth are these spiritual sacrifices that please God? Well, I'm gonna just give a recap of that in just a few moments, but before I do do that, let me just remind you that the sacrifices that Peter is talking about here are not sacrifices to atone for sin. These are sacrifices that express our great love for God. Whenever you do anything, whenever you make a sacrifice as unto God, it's because of your love for him. It's not because someone demanded it, commanded it, or ordered it, or forced you. It's out of love. And this is why this series on sacrifices that please God is so important to us. We need to be reminded of what it means to truly love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'm going to tell you, it's not difficult to understand. For instance, I make sacrifices for my wife Gloria. I make sacrifices for my children. I do that all the time. And why do I do it? Because I love them. Because they're important to me. And I, I love to make sacrifices for my family. I always want to put my wife first and put my children first and put my God first. 
That's what it really means to be a Christian. I love my, my friends. I love the people of my church. I love you. And many of you have heard me say more than once, I would do anything for you. And those of you who know me know that that's the truth. I will do whatever I can. If it's within my power to help you, I will do it. And I am happy to do that. I delight to do that. Why do I make sacrifices for my friends and my family and my church and my community? It's because I love them. Why do I love them? Because I'm a Christian. Because I belong to Christ. Because Christ has commanded me to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love others as I love myself. So these sacrifices that please God are sacrifices that express our great love for the Lord. Notice, these sacrifices always cost me something, and they always cost you something. Because that is what a sacrifice is. There's a cost involved. So we're going to talk today about the sacrifice of doing good. Now some of you may have never heard of that. Uh, we'll, We'll talk about that. David Livingston and his wife, they offered sacrifices of good works, of doing good. And they did it. Not because they anybody forced them, nobody held a gun to their head. They did it out of a sheer love for God and a love for Africa. Only somebody who's been converted, only somebody who belongs to Christ can fully understand and appreciate that kind of sacrifice. Now, I want to share with you uh, again from Hebrews. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 13 and verses 11 to 16. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, take them and turn to that. And uh, here's what, what the writer of Hebrews tells us. He says, under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. And the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also, Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. Did you get that? It was the shed blood of Christ that makes us holy, but only if you put your faith in Christ. It's not automatic. You have to believe that Jesus died for you. And then in verse 13, it says, so let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace that he bore. We all know that when we come to Christ, There's a cost involved. There's a sacrifice involved on our part. And many do not believe in Christ. Many hate Christ. They hate the gospel. They hate the church. For many of you, you have experienced disgrace and shame. People have shamed you and mocked you for the faith that you have in Christ. Well, I want you to know that Jesus took that upon himself before you ever did. And then verse 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good. And there it is. That's a sacrifice. 
doing good. Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. I'll be talking about that next week. The writer of Hebrews says these are the sacrifices that please God. So we understand that Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for us. Why did he do it? Because he loved us. Now the writer of Hebrews is telling us that we need to offer a spiritual sacrifice because we love him. You see how this works? This is, by the way, how every healthy, thriving relationship works. A husband and wife will make sacrifices for one another at personal cost. Why? Because of their love for one another. And Christ shows us how to do this. Now, we must offer sacrifices as prescribed by God's word. You can't make sacrifices the way you want to do it. You have to do what God tells us to do. In Genesis chapter 4, we read about Cain. Cain and Abel were offering their sacrifices to God, but God did not accept Cain's sacrifice. He only accepted Abel's. And why was that? Because Abel offered to God the sacrifice that God wanted him to offer. Cain, on the other hand, offered a sacrifice that he felt was good for God. Understand this. You and I don't get to choose that. You and I do not get to to define or determine what is acceptable to God. This is why God has given us his word. This is why you must read the scripture on a daily basis so that you understand what it means to please God. And we need to do things God's way. So we're going to see in just a moment what we mean by doing good and why, in fact, this is a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. And by the way, just in case you're wondering why God did not accept Cain's sacrifice, Cain uh, offered fruit, the fruit of his own hands. Abel offered the sheep, a blood sacrifice. And it had to be a blood sacrifice. That was God's will. Why? Because as we're told in the book of Hebrews, there is no removal, no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. So can I just remind you today that you need to be very careful in your worship and in your praise to God. You need to be very careful in the sacrifices that you're making as unto God because it has to be done God's way. Now, some church traditions, they have people doing all sorts of things. And I shared a week or two ago of how uh, some people, when they go to the Vatican, they climb up the stairs on their knees, hoping that somehow this sacrifice will please God. But it doesn't please God because this is not what God wants. Some people think they they need to light candles in churches. They need to go to the church, light a candle, and drop a few coins in the offering plate or, or in the offering box. People have done all manner of strange things in the name of God. I, I know some people that, that give little food offerings in the cemetery to their dead loved ones. Um, they, people engage in all kinds of strange behavior that is not biblical. This is why it's so critical that you know the word of God. You need to be immersed in scripture so that you can do things God's way. 
So we do know that God wants us to offer these sacrifice, uh, sacrifices of good works. Now, the first week that we talked about sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices that please God, we discovered that Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that we are to offer our bodies to God as living sacrifices. Jesus helps us understand what that means when he tells us in Matthew 10 that we are to offer ourselves to God by denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. Literally following in the steps of Christ, becoming more and more like Christ, doing what Christ would do on this earth. And then last week we talked about the sacrifice of praise and I said that there is uh, a private praise to God and there's a public praise of, of God. The private praise to God is founded on a thanksgiving for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We said that that is what real worship is. Real worship is, is a focus on and a celebration of what Jesus did on the cross. All worship flows from this thanksgiving for what Christ has done for us. And then we talked about a public praise and worship. This public praise and worship is a willingness to pledge our allegiance to Christ so that everybody knows I'm a Christian. I've heard people say, oh, my faith is private. Yeah, it is private, but it's also public. And your job, my job as a Christian, is to do all that we can to tell others about our Savior, about the one who washed away our sins. Jesus wants us to do that. You need to know that. He wants us to tell people about what he has done for us. And Jesus warns us that if we if we fail to acknowledge Christ while we're here on this earth, he will not acknowledge us in the presence of the Father. That to me is the most terrifying thing I have ever heard or ever read in scripture. On that day when I stand in the presence of God, I want to know that Jesus Christ will say, Alan, welcome home. This is what I'm looking forward to. This is what I'm excited about. But folks, understand something. You and I are called to obey Christ and to do things his way. So we are told of the, the sacrifices that we are called to offer to God. And the third sacrifice that we're going to talk about today, and we've already talked, touched on it already, is the sacrifice of doing good. Jesus teaches us this. Look at this uh, slide here, Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 14 to 16. Uh, let me read it to you from the scripture here. It says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. That would be absurd. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, 
Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, did you see this? When, when the author of Hebrews tells us to do, make these sacrifices of good works, to do good, what he's doing is he is simply repeating what Jesus told us at the very beginning of his ministry. You can read the Sermon on the Mount starting in Matthew chapter 5, and this is where we are instructed by Christ to how we are to live. Praising our Father in heaven. Now, in, in the Greek language, it's very clear that it's telling us that we need to glorify God. But a lot of people struggle. They don't understand what it means to glorify God. To glorify God means that we cause other people to recognize or appreciate or see God. That's what we're doing. So my good works and your good works should be causing your friends at work, should be causing your neighbors, should be causing your children, your nieces, your nephews, should be, pray, should be causing everybody to praise our Father in heaven. And that's really how Cross Church operates. This really explains or describes our work in Burundi. The work that we do is causing people to praise our Father in heaven. This ministry to the 400 children that we minister to in Burundi, we're causing many, uh, you could say thousands of people to praise our Father in heaven. And this brings glory to God. This, This brings joy to the Father. Now let me remind you of something that I say all the time. The Westminster Confession actually opens with these very words. What's the the question? The question is, what is the chief purpose of every human being? And the Westminster Confession tells us that we were created to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now I know there's a lot of Christians that are enjoying God. They love going to church, they love singing worship songs, and that's great. They love hanging out with their Christian friends. But let me remind you that first and foremost is is this call to glorify God in our actions and what we do. And I would suggest to you that it's impossible to enjoy God forever if you are not first glorifying him. Because what we see in this statement is a relationship between God and his people where together uh, we are, are advancing God's kingdom here on earth. It's a glorious picture of Almighty God in partnership with his family on earth. Ever since I became a Christian, this has been my, my greatest joy, my greatest delight to figure out how I can serve my God and bring glory to his name. We were created to do good works. We were created to glorify God. This is what the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesians. Again, a verse that you've heard me quote so many times. And maybe it's time for us all to memorize this and to remind ourselves of this every day. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus 
Why? So that we can do the good things that God planned for us long ago. Beautiful picture. A lot of people have never thought of that. They didn't know that. But you were, you were created to do good works, to bring glory to God the Father. Anyone who calls himself or herself a child of God, anyone who would say, I, am, I belong to God's people, well, that person has to understand that, that you have been ordained by God to live a life that brings glory to God by doing good works. If you, if you actually read that verse in the Greek, it actually says that you are, you are walking, you're living this life walking in good works. Isn't that interesting? You see yourself walking along the road, just doing good works wherever you go. Now, it's interesting that some people will mock people who do good. There's, they, they use the term a do-gooder as if that were a bad thing. Oh, he's just a do-gooder. She's a do-gooder. Yeah, that's what we do. We do good. Now, why on earth would that annoy them? Well, I would suggest to you that the reason it annoys, annoys them when, when you're doing good is because it makes them feel guilty. You're doing good, they're not doing anything, or they're not doing good. It makes them feel guilty. It makes them feel suspicious. Do you know, when we first came to this church some years ago, we, we sent flowers to a couple in our church who were celebrating their anniversary. And Gloria and I just wanted to, you know, get to know people and be nice and do good. And we were so shocked that, that these people, rather than being grateful for the flowers, they got angry at us. They were suspicious. And honestly, I had no idea how to respond to them. I, had, I did not know what to say. And I said, look, I just wanted to be nice, just wanted to be kind, just wanted to celebrate you. I've always been surprised and shocked at that, but not too shocked. Because whenever you do good, you are actually pointing people to God. And people get really uncomfortable with that. They get uncomfortable with being loved by others. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? It doesn't even make sense. But it does make sense if you remember that all of us is gripped by the sin nature. And again, it's one more reason why it's so wonderful to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're set free from that insanity, that craziness. And we uh, live enjoying God's goodness and then expressing and sharing God's goodness with others. So long story short, you and I are called to make sacrifices of doing good. This is what Jesus called us to do. And in doing these good works, we're doing it for the glory of God. And by the way, can I just say this to you? When you glorify God, it's, it's a glory that is seen and known on earth, but it's also seen and known in the heavenly places. I believe that every time you do a good work, do something great for the glory of God, it actually causes the angels to rejoice and to sing before the throne.
Because this is what the angels love to do. They love to glorify God. They love to sing of the wonders of God's kindness and goodness and mercy. I think that that's what heaven, we're going to have a lot of that in heaven. Wonderful songs about how God was glorified through God's people. But that's, a, that's a, another message. So let's get back to this. Knowing that God wants us to live our lives so that we're doing good works means that for many of us, we need to change the way that we live. Now, because we are all humans, because we were created in the image of God, we understand that all humans or most humans are going to do good works. They're going to do good things. We were created in God's image and it's a natural thing. I know lots of people who don't know Christ, who have not surrendered their lives to God, who go around doing good things all the time, or at least from time to time. And we love stories about people who do good. There's all sorts of wonderful biographies and books. Uh, and and uh, I mean, you couldn't even put a number on the number of books and stories told of people who've done good works. CNN every year celebrates heroes. And if you want, you can nominate a hero and set it into them. Now, here's the thing. I, I have listened to their celebration of heroes a number of times, not often, but once in a while. And he, here's what I've seen. By their standards, every single committed Christian who takes seriously this business of offering spiritual sacrifices that please God, every one of these Christians is by their definition a hero think about that when i was thinking about this i was i got thinking about the people of cross church and i'm going to tell you we are a church that is full of heroes i th- i thought i would share some stories about some of the heroes of our church but i thought well hold on a minute i can't do that who which person would get the honor There are so many people in our church who are faithfully serving God, who are faithfully offering to God these spiritual sacrifices and doing the will of God. Uh, I, I, I dare not even begin to start mentioning names. But a real Christian who seeks to honor God and offer spiritual sacrifices, these are our heroes. Now I'm going to say that Christians are not like non-Christians. We are supposed to consistently offer to God these spiritual sacrifices of good works. We don't just do it once in a while. We don't just do it for a few years of our life. I mean, you often hear people say, "Yeah, I gave a life, gave it one year of my life to, to you know, go to do uh, Doctors Without Borders or something like that." Hey, I I give you a thumbs up on that. That's wonderful. But for some people, they will think, well, that's, you know, that's, I've done my duty, I've done my thing. Christians understand that we do good for the rest of our life. From the, from the day that we're converted to the day that, that we are caught up to be with the Lord, the day that we uh, open our eyes in heaven, we are called to do good works. Again, that's what Paul said to the Ephesians. You are masterpieces. You've been created anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do good things. This is the sacrifice that pleases God. And that's what you need to do. So listen, if you're sitting at home right now and you haven't done any good deeds lately, 
And you need to do some serious reflection about where you are at spiritually. Are you truly converted? Are you really walking with God? This is what God wants. He wants you to go around doing good. Doing good is a way of life. I love what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy about Christian women. Let me, I have to read this to you. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, don't focus on vanity. Focus on doing good things for God. Now, in case anybody thinks that it's only, only women who are called to do good works, well, obviously, uh, Paul is trying to make a point here. Get your priorities straight. And, and the same goes for all men. Get your priorities straight. In fact, here's what I would say. In, in, not so much across church, but in many churches, it's usually the women, it's the ladies, it's the mothers, it's the wives, it's the sisters that are doing the good works in church doing the good works in society. Hey, you and I are called by God to do everything we can to bring glory to God through our good works. And I'm thankful today for the people of Cross Church who have been so faithful in doing good works. Our church is a wonderful church. It's It truly is a blessing to be part of this amazing family of God. And I get texts and emails all the time, actually from WhatsApp, from folks in in Burundi, just expressing their deepest appreciation and love for Cross Church and the things that we do. What a joy. What a pleasure. I will never back down or ever stop asking you to do good works. This is my job as your pastor, is to remind you that this is a spiritual sacrifice that pleases God. Now the sinful side of us protests and says, well, hold on a minute here. I can't do good all the time. What about the expense that's involved? Well, folks, I gotta remind you, it's a sacrifice. Of course there's an expense involved. What about the time? Hey, It's a sacrifice. What about my energy and my strength? Again, it is a sacrifice. What about me? I got to look out for me. And you know my answer to that. It's a sacrifice. Now here's what I know. If you're doing this in the power of the Holy Spirit and not in your own strength, you will be energized rather than being depleted. If you feel depleted after you've been doing good, it's because you're not doing this in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're doing it in your own strength. You're doing it for your own glory. Think about that. If you are struggling doing good, if you're worn out and exhausted and depleted, folks, it's simply because you're doing it for your own glory. And the Bible's clear, God will not share his glory with anyone. But those who do good for the glory of God, they're energized. You cannot stop them. They just are like energizer bunnies. They just keep on going and going and going, doing good because 
Every time they do good, it brings glory to the one who sent his son to die for us. Are you getting this? This is authentic Christianity that you're hearing right now. You see, Pastor Ellen, I, I don't know how to live like this. I, I can't live like this. And again, you would be right. With man, with humans, it's impossible. But Jesus reminds us, with God, all things are possible. So you can make these sacrifices. You can do these good things if you're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, how on earth do I do that? You go before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to honor you. I want to serve you. I want to do good. Give me the grace. Give me the strength. Give me the energy. And watch how God will answer your prayer. I think it's a, it's a great tragedy that people who call themselves Christians never learn how to, to, to know and experience the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Do you know, for 2,000 years, Christian history records hundreds of thousands, millions of Christians who have been real heroes, spreading the gospel and doing good in a broken and evil world. I thank God for all the heroes that are here at Cross Church. And I think that when we get to heaven, we are going to have such a phenomenal party celebrating all the wonderful things that we were able to do for the glory of God. Doing good, doing good is, 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 is who you are. You need to understand that. By definition, as a Christian, by definition, it's who you are. You are one of the people who does good. And if you're not doing good, you need to email the church right away and say, Pastor Allen, Janet, Pastor Chris, what can I do? Because I want to start doing good. Why do we do it? Because of the great mercy of God and because Jesus died for us. He died for us because he loves us and we make these spiritual sacrifices because we love him. Let me just close with this. In Acts uh, chapter 9, there's a story of Dorcas, a wonderful, godly woman. Uh, we think that she probably was a widow, but she was a very gifted seamstress. And we find that she was a woman that was able to uh, make robes and clothing for, for the widows, really, really cared about the widows, and, and I suspect the orphans as well. Well, she died. And the, these poor people, these, these poor widows and orphans are so overwhelmed with sorrow and no doubt concerned who's going to take care of us that they cried out to God and they, they sent for Peter. And when, when the widows explained to Peter what happened, and what a wonderful Christian woman that Dorcas was. It says that Peter prayed for her and raised her from the dead. Isn't that an amazing story? This woman who did good caused all the people who she did good for to ask Peter to come and pray and raise her from the dead. I wonder... The people will mourn when I pass from this earth because of the good that I've done for them. 
I wonder if anybody will mourn for you when you die. I've done so many funerals over the years, I cannot even tell you how many. But I'll tell you this. There have been some glorious, glorious celebrations. And there have been some very, very sad, sad funerals where the people that I'm burying have done nothing, have left no legacy behind. I pray today that you will surrender your life to God and start living the way Peter tells us to live, to offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that your hand would rest upon everybody who hears this message and especially upon the people of Cross Church. May we be found faithful in offering to you, O God, sacrifices of good works. We want to be known as people who do good for the glory of Almighty God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. And we're going to have our time of communion now. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he met with his disciples to celebrate the Passover feast for the last time, was a supper that celebrated what he was about to do. He was about to go to the cross to die for you and for me, to take away our sins and to bring reconciliation between God and you and me. That's why we celebrate communion. The Apostle Paul, teaching the Corinthians, shared the instruction from 1 Corinthians 11 about how to take communion and what the condition of our hearts should be. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant 
between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are already hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves. And when you meet together, I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to the end. Let me just remind you that it's important for all of us to examine ourselves before we take the bread and the wine. We examine ourselves to see whether or not our heart is right with God. Now, I want to say that this is for sinners. It's not for perfect people. I know of many people over the years that felt they couldn't take communion because they weren't good enough. Let me remind you that Jesus Christ is good enough. You'll never be good enough, but Jesus Christ is. And it's for that reason we don't put our faith in ourselves. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. And the wonderful thing is all who have put their faith in Christ are covered by Christ. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sinful, guilty heart. He sees us as being totally justified, as though we'd never sinned. It's the greatest miracle that has been uh, ever known to man. Jesus Christ has made you perfect if you've put your faith in him. And now when God hears Alan Duncalf pray, and when I cry out to the Father, you want to know what he sees? He sees Jesus, the perfect one, the perfect Lamb of God, who's covered me with his blood. I'm covered, and I'm grateful. And that's why we celebrate communion together. We want to make sure that we never forget, that we, we remember day by day Last Sunday, we talked about the sacrifice of praise, rejoicing and remembering every single day what Jesus has done for us. Jesus sacrificed himself for us, and now we sacrifice our time in giving praise to God for Jesus. So we're going to take communion now, and I would invite you to take that first film off of the little packet 
and in it you'll find a little wafer. And then we find another membrane that covers the cup. If you'd pull that off. And now we're going to take communion together. But just before we do, I would ask you to examine yourself. Remember, a Christian is part of the body of Christ. And the way that we grow in the body of Christ and remain an integral part of the body of Christ is by making sure there's no unforgiveness, no bitterness, no anger, no resentment in our heart. We need to make sure that our hearts are clean. And so I'm going to ask you right now to take a moment and in your heart, ask God to forgive you for your sin. Ask God to forgive you for any grudge that you may have been holding and ask the Lord just to wipe your heart clean and to take that away from you. We're promised in scripture that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So let's pray right now. Father, we thank you right now for these, these symbols of the body of Christ these emblems that remind us of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Fill us, O oh God, with joy and with thanksgiving as we remember that all of our sins are washed away and we have been given eternal life because Jesus died on the cross and because we put our faith in Christ we have been made fit for heaven and we don't have to be afraid of death or dying because we know that to close our eyes in this world means that we open our eyes in heaven. It's that smooth a transition and it's all made possible through Christ. So Father, forgive us our sins and cleanse us and fill us with joy as we remember and celebrate your body. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together, shall we? Thank you, Lord. In the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Can I remind you? that without the shedding of blood, there can be no removal of sin. Jesus shed his blood for you and me so that our sins are removed. Hallelujah. Let's take it together, shall we? Father, thank you. Thank you that we belong to you. Thank you that we're part of your great family. Thank you that you are Abba, Daddy. 
You're our Father in heaven and you love us. You've expressed love in the most supreme way by giving your own son. If there's anybody here today that doubts or even wonders, does Jesus love me? Can God forgive me? The answer is yes. There are some who are wondering, can my sins be truly washed away? And we thank you today, God, that the shedding of your blood is a crimson wave that washes us clean. And so we thank you today, Lord. Thank you that your sacrifice was sufficient to cleanse us and to make us fit for heaven. So we rejoice in this and we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a blessed day. Amen.